So we begin to throttle back. We begin to repeat some things that used to be, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit and the equipping of God's word that will cause us to go beyond our natural ability. Welcome to The Healing Touch with Bishop Ronald F. Kimball, presiding bishop of the Life Center Churches. You can find out more about Bishop Kimball and Life Center Church at www.thelifecenter.org. Now, here's Bishop Kimball with today's message. Good morning and welcome to the Life Center Church worship service. I am Overseer Cornell King and on behalf of our presiding bishop, Bishop Ronald Kimball, we'd like to welcome you and thank you for connecting with us. Go ahead and like our service this morning, comment, share it, call your friends, let them know that we are streaming live this morning at the Life Center Church. I am without my bishop, without my pastor, my mentor, my friend, Bishop Kimball, but it is all good cause. And I would like to ask you if you would join me in wishing he and First Lady Guandria Kimball a happy anniversary. This is why he is not with us this morning. So we say happy anniversary, Bishop First Lady Guandria, and may God continue to richly bless your union. And also I'd like to take this opportunity on behalf of Bishop Kimball and myself to thank all of you for your continued support of the ministry, even though we are not gathering on a regular basis here as we are accustomed to, you have been diligent and faithful in your support of the ministry, and we say thank you. As you know, if you've been following us, Bishop Kimball and I have been teaching through the book of Acts. We've been teaching through the book of Acts, and I tell you, it has revolutionized our thinking of what church is today as opposed to how church was in the first century, with the first century church. And in looking at the book of Acts, as we look closely at it, we'll see that the Holy Spirit is clearly in charge of the church in the opening chapter. So this morning, I'm going to give us just a brief overview. I don't want to go beyond where we have gone together thus far, but I want to give us an overview and then with the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. So we see that in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is clearly in charge of the church in the opening chapters. Much of chapter six and all of chapter seven stems from the declaration that Stephen is a man full of the spirit and wisdom, as well as full of grace and power. The spirit seals Peter's ministry to Cornelius and his companions according to chapter 10, verse 44. And when Peter gives an answer for his action at Cornelius' house, the Jerusalem church is informed of that which the Holy Spirit did as referenced in chapter 11, verse 15. It was the Holy Spirit that set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which he had called them and we'll find reference of that in chapter 13, verse 2. And the subsequent ministry journey for those men resulted from that call by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 15, verse 28, we see that the Holy Spirit is at work in the Jerusalem council and inspires the decision that is made concerning salvation 
for the Gentiles. You know, recall it was the Judaizers that wanted the Gentiles to be circumcised in order to receive salvation. But through the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit with the Jerusalem Council, it was decided that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. The Holy Spirit is also directing the Apostle Paul's further missionary journeys as recorded in chapter 16. And that's where we kind of are. We've come up to to speed today. But I want to share with you that as the author of the gospel, we're talking about the Lucan writing Luke, as the author of the gospel of Luke and Acts, Luke, in giving his account to Theophilus, deals with what Jesus began to do and to teach. He deals with what Jesus began to do and to teach. And when I read that, it's three things that was made very clear to me. And those three things are this, that one, the church had its beginning in the gospel. The church had its beginning in the gospel. The second thing is the work of Jesus did not end when he ascended. Thirdly, Luke makes known to Theophilus that he carefully investigated everything. And this is so important because today we hear so much about God, but little from God. And we have to get to the point where I call it the spirit of the Bereans. We have to go and search the scriptures to see if they are true. You know, sometimes we become too relaxed and God has been too good to all of us for us not to take the time to see what he has given us, the riches of his word that is available to all of us who believe. First of all, I want to kind of break down these three topics here or these three points. First, the church had its beginning in the gospel. Luke gospels ends with a convinced group of believers for the scripture says in Luke 24, 45, that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. People of God, understanding the scriptures should be foundational to every believer. If we're going to do anything, especially during this time uh, of this, us being apart, this pandemic, we should be spending more time in the word of God, praying, asking God to open our understanding, to reveal his word, his heart to us so that we can learn how to walk and live the life that is pleasing to him. Luke 24, 45, once again, Jesus opened their mind to understand the scriptures. If because he has no respect to person, since he did it for them, I assure you God would do it for us as well through his Holy Spirit. Amen. After the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection and the appearance of Christ as recorded in the book of Luke, these believers were no longer a scattered group of disciples, but a commissioned body. They were united, worshiping, and waiting to be clothed with power from on high in accordance with Luke 24, 49. In other words, they were already the church. As Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 makes clear, Christ's death and the shedding of his blood put the new covenant into effect. Therefore, the believers were daily in the temple, especially at the hours of prayer. And we find reference of that in Acts 3, verse 1. They were in the temple praising God 
and were already the new covenant body. They were already the church that carries on the life of Christ. There's so much people of God that we can acquire and learn from the scripture, especially the first church in Acts. The pattern has been set for us, but we have to realize that we have to follow a pattern that had been breathed upon and approved by the Holy Spirit rather than coming up with ideas to fit the times that we're living in. There's no guarantee or there's no assurance that God's hands of approval is on that. But God has, through his Holy Spirit, has already blessed what this first church did. First of all, they believed. They allowed the word of God to open up their minds and they gathered together and they worshiped praising God and walking in the newness of life that came through the teaching of God's word. Now, since this is a picture of the beginning of the first church, it behooves the 21st century church to take heed to the fact of these truths that I will call them, it's what I call my three must-bes. First of all, our minds, people of God, our minds, must be open to the understanding of Scripture. Our minds must be open to the understanding of Scripture. As Jesus said to the Sadducees in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, you are in error, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. There's too many of us that have spent years in the church, around the church, we have served the church faithfully. We support the church and thank God for that. But there's something about the understanding of this scripture. There's so much power for the believer that is contained in the scripture. That's why the enemy fights you when it's time to open your Bible and read. He'd rather for you to go and play a video game, listen to some inspirational music. And there's nothing wrong with the inspirational music, but there ought to be a set time. Somewhere in our journey with Christ, we should spend time asking the Holy Spirit to give us an understanding of these scriptures. The second must be, I would say, is that as believers, we must be united as one with a worship that is pleasing to God. We must be united. We have now come to a place in our walk with God to where there are certain things that should not even be amongst us anymore. And I pray to God that during this time that we've been apart, that we have given more attention now to being priests in our homes, to making sure that those who are under our roof have solidified and strengthen their relationship with God in such a way that if God was to call them home tomorrow, we can rest assured that they will see Jesus and will hear him say, well done. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter four, verse one through six, to shows that how we must be united. The apostle Paul says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The unity is not built by us going out to eat. That's fellowship. Thank God for fellowship. But the unity in the body of Christ is spelled out here that we should have a certain degree of humility. We should be gentle and patient with one another. The same thing that Christ has done for us, we should be doing towards each other. These are some of the foundational things, people of God, that we have to come back to grips with. We've been pulled in so many directions. We've heard so many teachings. But if what we've been taught does not bring us back to the word of God, there is no assurance that it's going to get us where we need to be. So the unity that the body of Christ needs is right here in the scripture. The other must be is that we must be clothed with the Holy Spirit. We must be clothed with the Holy Spirit. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day and he made the statement. He says, you know, it's, you know, it's just something about the church today. It just don't seem right. It just don't seem like it's, it's moving or it's not doing what it used to do. And it was in that moment that I shared with him that a lot of times you have good people doing good things, but they're doing it up under their human ability, their natural ability and not the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we come to the end of our natural selves, there's nothing else left for us to give. So we begin to throttle back. We begin to repeat some things that used to be, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit and the equipping of God's word that will cause us to go beyond our natural ability and see the revelation and the power of God working in the body of Christ, the church. So the illustration of God clothing believers with the Holy Spirit emphasizes an important truth. The Holy Spirit completely covers the believer. This is something the Holy Spirit does by himself. As believers, we do not do this with it. The Holy Spirit does this. We do not clothe ourselves with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit clothes us. It's just like we're sitting out here this morning. We put on these clothes, but there's a supernatural spirit that's by the Holy Spirit that he puts on us that can only be adorned by the Holy Spirit. We have the internal feeling of the Holy Spirit, and then we have the external clothing of the Holy Spirit as well. How can you walk in defeat when you've been clothed by the Holy Spirit? Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like this message in its entirety, contact us by phone at 407-628-3229, extension 114, or visit our online store at www.thelifecenter.org.